Podcast. Today, me and Paul, we're going to talk about wheel building, perhaps how you can get into it, what the benefits are, what difficulties are, and just some general information that can perhaps benefit you if you're interested in this topic. Episode 10, baby. Woohoo! Yeah, episode 10. So, like wheel building, it, it sounds like a super complex like, thing to do yourself, right? That's something that you would leave to the professional. I mean, at least from my understanding, that's something I used to believe. Like, oh, just bring it to the shop. They will charge you how much ever they charge you, and then they do it perfectly. But Paul recently had um, published a two-part blog post on the Slow Spin Society website detailing how you can do it yourself at home and how like really doable it is for the average person, right? Yes, and before that, if you want to hear us shitting even more on Sinelli than before, or games we've played recently, or that nice old dude with a titanium bike I met up this morning, then you can listen to the pre-show, or you can access the pre-show by listening to the extended cut of the podcast, but more on that later. So, world building, it's one of those things that are pretty easy to get into, but pretty hard to master. So there is a lot to it. There is uh, spoke lens calculation, uh, patterns, uh, different asymmetric rims, asymmetric hubs, all that kind of stuff that we're going to talk a little bit more today. That two-parter that I post uh, onto slowspinsociety.com, the blog, uh, it is a pretty simple way for you to understand how to choose uh, part one is how to choose your parts. Part two is how to basically mount and lace up a wheel. I only explain one pattern there. That is the, the three cross that I use most of the time. But yeah, today we're going to be, we're going to go a little bit more into details. Uh, but really, if you want to, if you have like your rim in your hub and your spokes right there and you want to learn slowly how to build your will, go to part two of that article and really follow the step-by-step -step thing. And I think it will be a pretty easy uh, experience. Yeah. So like to start off, uh, some required things that you need to build your own wheels, of course, are the main components of a wheel. So hubs, rims, spokes, and nipples. So with those things, you can, you already have the main components, right? of a wheel, but then to actually build the wheel, you need some additional tools such as a truing stand. So the truing stand is like the main component of wheel building because that's how you can precisely um, put your wheel together and make sure it runs straight without wobbling left or right. And that's probably that's probably the, the only thing that is the, the main cost of entry to this process. And it can cost you as much as you want it to cost you, right? There's like, <clears throat> There's more budget options as well. And then there's like the high-end park tool, 500 euro stands that you don't need. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Is your voice okay? Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there is like every budget for a training stand. Uh, I have a pretty basic one and you know what? It is enough for my needs. Uh, I think it's like 
100 euros or something like that. There is like the really professional ones that goes to like crazy prices. But as a beginner and as someone that is just casually building wheels, you don't need the most banking stuff out there. That drink stand, a spoke key, a flat head screwdriver, and that's pretty much it. But we're going to talk a little bit more about like those components you need. So like hubs, rims and spokes. I'll start with spokes because it's pretty easy and pretty fast. So like two main types of spokes, round one and bladed ones or arrow ones, whatever you want to call it. Arrow ones are, well, arrow, but also more expensive, uh, a little bit harder to work with and you need special hubs sometimes. So they're more of a specific thing, but round spokes are way easier to work with and there is not that much size standards. So let's say that probably 90% of them are two millimeter. So your hole inside your hub is two millimeter. I mean, a little bit more. And then the thread on your nipple is also two millimeter diameter. So everything is compatible, right? You can have those spokes and the middle section of it will be like reduced to have like really, 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 really minimum weight saving. So it can go down to like 1.8 millimeter or even 1.5. But I would just stick with two millimeter because they're the cheapest and usually they last the longest. This is what spokes I use. If you want to get like the most expensive spoke out there and you know how to use them, then knock yourself out and go for it. But for fixed gear, a basic fixed gear will set, I would not spend like hundreds and two spokes. I would just get the basic stuff. Yeah, definitely. So like you said, with if you're like unsure about which spokes to get, then in most cases, the rounded ones are mostly like universally compatible, right? Or are there hubs that can only take bladed spokes? No, hubs that can take, well, there is like, you know, some uh, proprietary hubs. So for brands like uh, Zips or Mavic that use their own hubs, sometimes you have to use special spokes. Uh, you know, like there is two types of spokes, right? There is like straight pole and G-band. Yeah. So G-band is what we use on almost like most of hubs where the spokes actually makes like uh, a J, uh, you pull it into your hub and then you make it come vertical again, kind of. I don't know if it makes sense, but that's the basic spoke. But I don't know when I usually tear down all their wheels and they have some straight pull spokes, um, that straight pull section, right? At the end of the spoke, so not at the nipple end, but the other end, uh, can be specific to certain hubs. Okay. So there's still some, some research that needs to be done then for, for like the individual hub that one has. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it today, most of aftermarket hubs and fix your hubs use Jabin spokes. Mm. So easy, really it's easy out there, but if you want to use more specific hubs or I don't know, you're, you want to build like a, a road wheel set that use um straight pull spokes then you'll yeah you'll need to make a little bit more of research and calculation because it's a completely different process 
definitely. Um, yeah, so that's that's spokes then, right? Like one thing that I think are less thought about when looking at wheels than rims and hubs. Yeah. Yeah, so generally when people look at wheel sets, they the thing that pops out the most is the rim. And if it's like a carbon rim, if it's a deep rim, if it's a disc, disc wheel, whatever. But then the hub is also a very, very central and important part of the wheel. And for track bikes, at least for fixed um, hubs, there are a few options such as Mish, Phil, uh, Zip, and um, yeah, a few others, of course. And which one you choose is up to you as well. And then the important part to look out for is that it has the same amount of holes as the rim you choose eventually. And then the the spokes will like put them those two together, of course. But the hole count is really important. Yeah, of course, the hole count is important, but you also need to look at other things. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about hub quality. So I'm going to take Philhood and Pole, for example. Yeah. So those two companies, they have like hubs. Uh, they've been through time. They have been tested. They like people know what they're buying and they're made out of CNC aluminum shells. Like the good stuff in general, right? Yeah. Those companies usually can be a little bit ahead of their time while talking about customization and anodizing because they already have like the main concept out of the way. Yeah. And like the difference, where, where does the difference shine the most between those? Is it like maintenance, the, the performance on the road, how it looks, how easy to build? Uh, if you take like another hub that is way cheaper, for example, uh, let's say Novatech hubs. Yeah. Well, you're definitely not buying the same quality, the same bearings, um, like the same finish, you know, like the end result. Well, they might work just as well, but you might have to do like more maintenance on it. I am taking the example of... I'm saying a lot of examples, but <laughs> let's say you have Mish Primato hubs. So those are good hubs. You know, uh, I see a lot of people using them and yeah, good hubs. The problem I have with those hubs is like the axle, nut, lock, nut situation. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. So the typical way things are done with those kind of hubs. So it's a male axle, right? And so you have your axle. And to tie down everything together between your axle, your bearings, and your shell, you have like those two nuts on your axle and then those two lock nuts uh, after them to tie everything down together. Yeah. So you need to have like that perfect millimeter precise setting. If it's tight enough, it doesn't have play and you're fine. Uh, but if it's too tight and even a little bit, your bearing are grinding because everything is like your nuts are pressed against your bearings. And so it's not rotating that well. And I have a lot of friends that have this issue with those hubs. And that's kind of like the maintenance problems. Like you don't want to spend your life tweaking your hubs again and again every time you get your wheel out or anything else, really. Yeah. So let's compare all this to high quality hubs. So Phil, Paul, Mac, all that stuff, maybe Mental BMX that are really making superb quality hubs uh, for an affordable price, even Armony Lab bikes or stuff like this, right? Yeah. So we're talking about hubs that are going to outlast you, you know, like 
your children will have the same will set as you <laughs> you had. So there's definitely something there that maybe just taking a good set of hubs might be the expensive way, kind of expensive way, but just the easiest way, really. So you don't have to always tweak, maybe replace a bearing, maybe just replace your hub altogether. This being said, I have some friends that ha- that rides Novatech hubs and they have no problems whatsoever. So, I mean, yeah, if you know how to maintenance then and it's not an issue, then you can go on a budget. If you just don't want to deal with that, then I would put a little bit more money. But yeah, that that's pretty much it. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that, that can, that can like vary from person to person how much they want to do then, right? Like the, the, like a, like a nice point about fixed gear is that you don't have to maintain so much. And if you have like the cheapest hubs possible that require almost weekly maintenance, that's kind of, yeah, questions if it's, questions makes it, makes you wonder if it's worth it saving a few hundred dollars then. Because I think if you have like filled wood hubs in the end, they pay for themselves eventually. Yeah, one thing that is specific to track hubs also is you thread a cog and a lock ring onto your track hub, right? Yeah. And that cog and lock ring are prone to a ton of force and pressure that they're going to experience during acceleration, skidding, braking, anything really. Uh, You don't want that thread to give up on you at any moment. So that's also why you want something that has been CNC machined and probably like a good grade aluminium rather than something that is just made out of random aluminium and just machine along to make like a thread. Yeah. So yeah, that's also something you want to look at. It's like all those small details in the end are, and then they stack up in the end, of course, right? Yeah. But... It doesn't mean it has to be crazy expensive. There's some brands out there that makes really, really good quality hubs for a reasonable amount of money. I am thinking about Mental BMX. Uh, they're based in Latvia and... Hello there. Editing Paul talking. Uh, so it kind of came to me when I was mixing the podcast that I was mentioning Mental BMX a lot. Uh, they are not sponsoring this podcast or me in any way. Uh, actually, nobody is sponsoring this podcast, or maybe Red Shadow Legend. No, they're not. They're not doing that. Sorry. Yeah. See you later. I think the Fixed Gear Berlin crew—they're the official wrestler, and I use them. Uh, they use them. They're really, really good hubs. Yeah. Uh, uh, they use like Japanese precision bearings. Your CNC machine in good grade aluminum. Uh, they're basically good hubs. Uh, there is also Mac. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty affordable if you look at it, um, because like also they're handmade, CNC machine, all that stuff. Yeah. And so they're based in Poland and they also have lots of options for like bearings, uh, colors, optics, like all of these different things. And at the end, they, they come out to like half the price of, of filled wood hubs, at least for people here in Europe. Right. Yeah. And they're pretty like, they're pretty good looking as well. Yeah, definitely. So, and their super light version is actually really light. (laughs) But yeah, so like for hubs, I feel like now the gap between 
entry-level and high-end hubs kind of has been filled a little bit more. Yeah. There is for every budget, really. Yeah, so that's that's a good thing as well then. Um, and then, yeah, so hubs, I think they're, they're, yeah, they can be as expensive as rims or, or less or more, of course. But then rims themselves, those are the things that people will most likely see first when they look at a picture of your bike or when they see you riding down the street or anything. And, and then obviously if you have a carbon, like a deep carbon, carbon rim with zip or, or envy or head or whatever, those will catch the eye the mo- like the fastest. Right. But then they come yeah. at, a, at a certain price as well. And particularly for like zip rims or carbon rims in general, they're generally made, generally made for like geared, geared bikes and then relacing them. So lacing them to a track hub, that's a good skill to have as well. Yeah. Uh... It also will save you money, I guess. Uh, yeah. You don't have to buy a brand new pair of, I don't even know if Envy makes, I, I don't think so, but let's say zip track rims or, uh, sorry, track wheel set, uh, that will run you a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then if you buy like a used pair of uh, road road ones and I don't know the brake track is shattered and so they can't break them anymore but you still can use it as a track wheel then yeah uh it will make you like save a little bit of money um what is there any difference between lacing a carbon rims than there's like aluminum rims I would say that aluminum is easier so you have that one piece of aluminum making the rim and holes drilled into it to put your spoke in there, your nipple in there, and you can kind of apply quite a bit of pressure before you can even bend or crack your rim because it's like that one piece of aluminum, right? Yeah. Uh, carbon composite, it's completely different. And if you over tighten it, then it's going to crack. Let's say you're a beginner and you're tightening your first wheel. I would say start with aluminum because it's it's just way easier and you can over tight uh, an aluminum rim and it will be fine in 90% of the case. Uh, just don't do it, obviously. But if you do it with a carbon one, uh, the, the spokes are going to win over the rim. Like the tension in the spokes are going to win over the carbon composite and you're going to end up like probably your spoken nipple just going through your entire rim and yeah that's now you five hundred dollars or euros down and yeah that's bad ah that's a bit bit risk then yes i imagine then if you're if you're like with people that want to follow like this guy on the podcast and on the blog if they want to lace their own wheel set then they should probably start with aluminum rims at the start Yes, maybe start with aluminum. Uh, It's simpler, obviously. And I mean, there's less money involved, probably. Yeah. You're more of an aluminum or carbon guy? I mean, it's kind of going back and forth, to be honest. But I like like H plus sun rims, like the archetypes, for example, but also like uh, not super loud looking carbon rims, like Zip 202s are nice, for example. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of something that is simple, can be either. Yeah. 
but yeah, if you if you're looking to get a pair of carbon rims for your bike, really consider everything that goes with it. For example, when I got my first carbon wheel set, I just I all I wanted was a carbon wheel set because I, I wanted to know what, what it feels like and everything. And the fact that you actually need to find something that suits you. So for example, I would like it to be clincher. I would like it to have that many spokes. I would like it to be uh, that stylish or that deep or everything. Uh, really consider all your options before actually pulling the trigger. Because you don't want to end up with, I don't know, like a Dura-Ace rim. We talked about it with the people in the Discord. But Dura-Ace rims, they have like 21 holes. And I don't know anyone on the market that makes like a 21 hole hub. And if you have a carbon rim that you ride on the street, um, fixed gear, brakeless, anything that is below 24 holes is asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth the risk then, right? No curb jumping with 18 <laughs> rim carbon rims, 18 hole carbon rims then. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, just just be careful out there when you choose uh, something that is aftermarket or something that you used. Uh, yeah, just choose wisely, I would say. What's your opinion on, um, like, carbon rims from, like, AliExpress or, like, these Chinese stores online? Um, well, first, okay, I'm going to put that out of the way first but three spokes four spokes five spokes uh carbon disc uh that comes from china or taiwan or there are basically open molds right yeah uh they will never look as good as a real specialized three spoke or head three or karima or it just i don't know it looks too fat or it looks kind of out of place yeah uh, I know that a Mavic IO is $2,000, <laughs> but if you can't afford a Mavic IO and I can't afford a Mavic IO, I don't want a Mavic IO. I will probably never be able <laughs> to afford a Mavic IO. Um, You're not going to buy a fake one then? No, I'm not going to buy a fake no. one. And even if it's not a fake one, even if there is not Mavic on it, right? Yeah. Uh, it just looks out of place. Um if you really like the design of a five spokes uh, and you really want that, absolutely, then yeah, maybe go for it. But from my point of view, uh, it, it looks weird when you know the real thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's like just by, without measuring, you can just tell by your eyes that something is not right. Something is not right. So there is this. Uh, so yeah, that's out of the way. And for carbon rims that you laced with, you laced with normal spokes, right? Yeah. It's kind of like you're taking a risk. You're kind of playing the carbon lottery. I believe if you want a decent pair, uh, it's going to run you around, I don't know, like two to 300 euros for a pair of rim, a pair of rims, sorry. Maybe they will last you for a while and maybe they don't 
the fact that they're so affordable, it's because, yes, they're making so many rooms, but they're not making any control or tests on it. And that's what takes time. That what takes resources for other companies is, yes, there is making the rim. So we're paying like the material, carbon and resin and all this stuff. But there's also all this test, stress test that goes behind it and warranty and all that stuff. And all of that adds up. And of course, you want to make profit on top of that. So that's why carbon is so expensive right now. Yeah, definitely. And then like Zip and Envy, they're both made in the US, right? Where yeah. these things are very important, quality control and like the safety of the, the consumer and everything. And yeah, like you said, that's why the price is much higher than the ones in yeah. from China. Also, always keeping in mind something that struck me when I learned it is we have the worst grade of carbon in the cycling industry. First is uh, spatial stuff, NASA. Uh, second is, I think, medical application. Third is automotive, uh, automobile. And yeah, and then there is like plenty, 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 plenty of stuff. And at the really end of the spectrum is cycling. <laughs> so it could be like an NV or a Chinese carbon. You buying an NV, you know that it's already not the best carbon out there compared to the carbon that is on the space shell, for example. <laughs> yeah. But Envy is a pretty known brand. It's making it's made in the US. So you are buying medium quality carbon, but that is good for the cycling industry. I would even say really good for Envy. Yeah. But like if you're if you're tackling into like Chinese carbon, you're basically buying the cheapest of the cheapest. Yeah, and that's a risk then that some people are willing to take, right? But I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't do it. And well, it makes sense that like the carbon that's used for like aerospace engineering is not the same as for cycling, right? There's like completely different levels of forces at play, but at the same time, Envy and Zipped, even though the carbon itself is maybe not as good as the best there is, they take care of what they're making. Yeah. And they make sure it's it's safe to ride, right? There's also you definitely need to take into consideration is so you're buying a set of carbon rims or carbon wheels uh, from China or Taiwan or any that kind of resellers, right? You're gonna use it for track or street application, but you're gonna use it as a track wheel set. So there is definitely more forces and pressure and constraints. And I'm saying that again and again, but it's true as like, for example, a road wheel. So let's say you're already buying carbon that you're not really sure about. On top of that, you're going to put so much force onto it. Yeah. Riding it in the street between cars. Just be sure about what risk you're willing to take in the end. But as always, there's also like, good companies out there that make tests, give you customer service, warranty, and all that stuff. So I guess you just need to find the good spots. But in the end, just know that 
it's all the same rim everywhere it's all the same open mold it's just the quality goes up and down from places to places but you can't really know that like nobody can know i guess if you're not like on mm. the spot so yeah just maybe don't be in a rush and have the lowest budget possible i would say a good aluminum wheel set is probably better than a cheap carbon wheel set all right so with those three things we've discussed so far hubs rims and spokes those are well there's also nipples but nipples are, are fairly generic right yeah uh there is aluminum and brass nipples aluminiums are lighter but they're more prone to corrosion uh brass they can sustain more tension more force more pressure i'm gonna say a lot force and pressure in this episode <laughs> i feel but yeah i'd go just with brass brass is better uh you're not gonna feel the extremely tiny weight benefit of using um aluminium nipples so just go with brass all right so then brass nipples and then carbon or aluminum rims and then whatever hubs you want and then there's also the the spokes bladed or uh circular yep and so with those four things those are the everything you need to to like make uh a wheel itself but then you also need the tools right yeah so we talked about the the turning oh. stand and the and the spoke oh, yeah, key did. already but right. when you have all that you just need to like uh, building a wheel it's really experience that is going to talk at the end so you're going to build one wheel for yourself and you're going to spend hours doing it uh, that's how i learned and yeah. then maybe your friend is asking you to build his wheel and you're like oh sure and you take a little bit less time and it's a little bit better and you do it again and again and again and at the end you just have the experience and i usually for me that and i've built quite my good amount of wheel i am by no means a pro but i just have a lot of experience building wheels uh and for me now i take if i want something that is really good I take like an hour and a half for one wheel because I just want to take my time. And I also yeah. find it really meditating, you know, to train a wheel, just put music on and do my thing. And yeah, I'm just taking my time. Yeah. And that's, and this is a good way to move to the next part of the podcast, which is why, why would anyone want to build a wheel? themselves when there are professionals that one can pay for and then you can trust them and they know what they're doing like you said one one big, big benefit is that it's a pretty relaxing thing to do to spoke and through a wheel like once you learn once you learn how to do it you can just keep doing it and then you just do the motions and it's relaxing there's no pressure and it's kind of like yeah it's a it's a nice solitary activity then as well it's it's part of cycling but not really part of cycling at the same time yeah it's also, I think it's a cool thing to say like, oh yeah, oh, you need that? Yeah, I, I can probably do that for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it feels like you're, you're kind of the utility knife guy, you know? You're like, yeah. oh, I also know how to build wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone besides you that could build their own wheels. So definitely it is something to talk about. So it's not only useful for yourself, but then also for the people in your circle, like whether it's friends or acquaintances that you can 
easily true a wheel for them on the go or if you can build a broken wheel set or whatever it's a nice skill to have uh yes uh, uh yeah like we said another big benefit is that after a while it can save you money so of course you first have to buy a turing stand which can be 50 100 150 euros plus but after you build a few wheel sets it will save you money in the long time in the long term doing this yourself rather than paying someone else to do it so at least here the the wheel builders i've been looking at they they charge 80 100 euros per wheel to build it from scratch well net what? there's of no, course 80 100 no 80 to 100 sorry oh okay oh my god so, okay. so it's like 80 to 100 euros per wheel and then of course it's a bit cheaper if you buy the hubs or the rims or both from them directly um so yeah if you only if you only plan on having one or two wheel sets perhaps it's just it makes more sense to to bring it to a wheel builder but yeah it's otherwise it might also make sense to learn to build it yourself yeah and i feel especially if you're riding face gear you know that parts in the face gear are pretty limited and you probably already know how to do everything yourself from changing a tire to swapping a bottom bracket you know uh from the most basic stuff to something that is a little bit more intricate and building will is probably or train will is probably the only thing that you don't have at the moment uh, apart from frame building i guess but that's <laughs> that's something else yeah. um but yeah the fact that you can do everything by yourself uh and at the end you have the confidence that oh yeah i can take this down from a to z uh from yeah top to bottom by myself i mean it's a pretty cool feeling you you kind of feel like powerful on your bike you know what you're doing yeah it gives you that yeah as well like if you build your own wheel you have the satisfaction of knowing you've done it yourself and you finish something and it runs well and you're using it and of course that's if you do everything yourself to build your wheel and you don't need a mechanic you don't need a wheel builder it's it's another sense of achievement that's definitely a sense of achievement. I mean, the first time I built my own wheel set, I was like, man, I made this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling of, on what I made, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that reminds me of like the meme with the comic, like, I made this. And then the, he gives it to another person. <laughs> I, yeah. You made this. Oh, I made this. Oh, I made this. <laughs> well, the meme does make sense if you, the people don't know what I'm talking about. I just sound, I just sound dumb right now, but... It's a funny <laughs> format. Uh, yeah, then finally, I think one of the most important benefits of wheel building is that you can really customize your own set of wheels from rim, hubs, down to nipples and spokes, and, and even lacing pattern. Because there might not be a combination of hubs and rims out there that's already pre-made for you. And then if not, you can always just do it yourself then. Yeah. And, and that's really a benefit that yeah, that you can save a lot of money on and opens a lot of doors for customizing your bike to exactly the way you want it to look. Absolutely. If you if you still don't have the confidence of actually building your will, if your local will builder is okay for you to bring your parts and he will build it for you, it's still an option. Yeah. I mean, for me, it always felt weird uh, to go to a wheel builder was my stuff, you know? And like, oh, can you do this for me? Uh, of course, I'll pay you, but uh, this is my stuff. Can you do it? It's like the same thing when you go, 
you go to someone that sells Sinelli's, okay? Sinelli's frame. <laughs> We're going to come back onto Sinelli. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you go to that shop that sells Sinelli's frame because it's a pretty basic shop, but you like it anyway because it's close from your, from your apartment and yeah, people over there are kind of nice, so it's okay. So they sell Sinelli's frames and... You ask the guy about the new Vigorelli and he's like, oh yeah, it's pretty cool, blah, blah. Uh, it's around 800 euros. And you're like, wow, 800 euros? Okay. I'm going to think about it. And he's like, okay, he's probably going to think about it. And you come back a week later with the same Sinelli that you find somewhere else cheaper. And you're like, oh, yeah, I found that. Can you build that for me? That's the kind of feeling I have when going to a wheel builder with your own parts, you know? Yeah, that's a really, that's a, like a really specific, really specific example. It makes me think that happened to you or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, some, as, I mean, when you work into a shop uh, and I feel it's the, okay, we're going to go sideways, side talk a little bit there, but I feel it's something pretty common into the cycling industry and because internet make you make things so accessible right now. You have your products in your shop and they are at a certain price and 100% people are going to be able to find them for cheaper on the internet. And that guy asks you all the questions, all there is to ask about that special product and because it's your job to know, you answer him and you talk with him and you have a good time. And it feels nice to teach people kind of, oh, yeah, this is probably the right thing for you. Or maybe this is better. Or if you have that budget, that would be cool. So it feels good to talk with people about what are their options, right? Yeah. And they're like, okay, thank you, man. I'm going to think about it. And they come back a week later with everything you talked about, but they bought everything at different places to have it as cheap as, cheap as possible. And they're like, so yeah, I bought everything. I don't know how to put it together. Can you do that for me? And you're like, yep, for sure. I'll do that. Uh, you know that you could buy probably 90% of the, of the stuff you bought online here. But I guess it was cheaper, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like for some people, that makes that's what makes a difference as well the cost and yeah, as, yeah I can understand the difference. Yeah, like as well, if you go to like um, your local bike store and then everything's a bit more expensive, like like a bit more, let's just say, and in that case, you pay for the like the customer service and the experience and the person teaching you and stuff like that, right? And in general, people are okay with paying the higher price if they know that they have like a local store that they can support and that supports them back. But at the same yeah. time, there's a store. There's stores here that just charge so much more for things that can be bought online. Not even yeah, from like even other bike stores, like smaller bike stores. So, for example, there's one bike store here that's a high-end bike store, and they sell a 30 euro helmet from from Giro. They sell it for 120 euros, and what? I can I can find the same helmet at another small bike store for like yeah 40 euros or 35 euros. So. <laughs> So like if it's like five euros more, I wouldn't mind paying that if it helps like a small bike store and like you you get to like know them and stuff, right? But after more paying more than ninety euros extra, that's ridiculous. So there is yeah. like a balance as well. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would say uh, support your local bike shop uh, because having a small, it, it's like this in the cycling industry, having a small shop is so hard because you need to negotiate with all those giants. So, uh, well, like Scott or Trek or those brands that have so much money and they don't care if you're not going to take their bike at, at the right price because they can probably sell it somewhere else. Yeah. And it's the same thing for a lot of distributors. So a small bike shop, uh, it's, it's really hard and mad respect to every small bike shop that is out there because you guys are doing a great job and not, I know how hard it is. But if you support your, for example, your local bike shop, and as Fabian said, it's just a little bit more expensive. It's not crazy or anything mad, right? You are buying a bike, but you also buying like our, uh, all our trust, you know, like you are now our customer. And if you have a problem in one week, just come back and probably like if they build you a bike you have a problem and you come back a, w a week later they will not charge you to i don't know like tighten a few screws or something like that that's how i see it is you are buying a bike but you're also buying trust kind of yeah and that's something that is hard to put a, a like a numerical value on right like yeah but of course, like like I said, yeah, five euros. It's it's it helps them, and then you have a personal connection to a bike store rather than some online big name like Amazon or whatever. Absolutely. So, um. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Then support your local bike store if they're good people and if they have if decent prices. <laughs> so yeah, yeah five, look around. But chances are you might get to know them, and it will help in the long run. Yeah, and if there is no good bike store around you then yeah i can understand it's not always easy that's how you feel fill a small gap in the market and open your own yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how i felt when i arrived in paris uh being used to how good bike shops are in japan and how the amount of precision and dedication they put in everything and then you arrive in paris and Oh my God, like <laughs> shops are a mess for most of them. Yeah. And the, not for all of them, of course, I'm, I am not talking for every shop out there, <laughs> but there's kind of that mentality of, yeah, good enough, you know? Yeah. So like uh, not really perfecting it for the customer. Yeah. Not really perfect. Uh, hard to, hard to make it perfect. So you know what? It will take too much of my time. So this is good enough. Yeah, that pissed me off. <laughs> like so, yeah. yeah. So like, there's there are some like high end bike stores in my city, and then they charge like forty five euros per hour of work, and that's still okay. And then there's like the one that sells the helmet for too much. He charges like seventy euros per hour or something, and he's not doesn't even do it that well. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there anymore. And it will, the store will rename nameless, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a bit just expensive. know that it's near from my place. Exactly, it's this address. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, there's a big there's a big like chain uh, bike chain in bike chain store in the Netherlands called Mantel, and they're uh-huh. opening. I went to pick up something there recently, like two weeks ago in Utrecht, and the store was so big. It's so massive. It's like an IKEA just with bikes. But anyway, oh. they're opening a new one in Rotterdam that's gonna be five thousand six hundred square meters big. Five thousand six hundred square. Five point six square kilometers for bike store. Like holy shit! As I'll, That's I'll be, a lot. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to just visiting visiting that place. So, yeah, uh, in in yeah, the middle got... of all those city bikes and road bikes and high end stuff, you're like, oh, is that a track bike out there? And there's only <laughs> one. <laughs> Pretty much, it's probably gonna be like that. But yeah, curious yeah. to see how how it looks like. Um, yeah, we got a bit sidetracked now from from wheel building, talking about bike stores and shit, but. Uh, it's some good information. But anyway, to go back on topic a bit before the end of this episode, you might be wondering what are the disadvantages of building a wheel yourself? So even though everything we've said so far and perhaps the blog posts on the website make it seem very simple, wheel building is simple to get into and easy to perhaps do once or twice, but it's very difficult to do perfectly and master it and become like professional in it, right? Yes. There is a lot to learn and there is, uh, you know, it's the kind of stuff that you can only learn with experience. So if you don't want to build and unbuild a single wheel a hundred times and just do it in every possible pattern, uh, you just need to wait for yourself, then you need new wheels or your friends need new wheels and you take the opportunity to build them, uh, to build their wheel for them for free or for a little compensation. But true wheel builders, and I mean professional out there that do stuff for pros or for really high-end builds, there is a lot of math behind it, there is a ton of experience, so getting into this, it is a fascinating world and I highly recommend you just make some research and you'll see that there is so much to learn. Um, and if you want to really, really get into it, don't limit yourself to track wheel set because those are the most basic ones and easy ones. Uh, maybe start with this, but then go to like a disc wheel set, a road wheel set, like stuff like this. And you'll see that there's actually so many variables and yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff to be learned. Definitely. And it's like, maybe you haven't been keeping track, but how many wheel sets would you say you've built now? Oof. Okay. I'd say, so I, I'd say I am above a hundred. A hundred wheel sets. Okay. No, wheel set, wheels. Oh, wheels. Okay, so over 100 wheels and you don't consider yourself a professional. Yet. Oh, I am so far from a professional. <laughs> okay. You know but what? Then- Sometimes I like, you know, when I was saying like uh, building wheels is relaxing and everything, right? Sometimes I'm just in my head and I'm doing that thing kind of automatically, especially when it's not a challenging wheel set. And then I start to, to true it and I'm like, why am I building a square again? Because I it it doesn't feel right. And then I check all my spokes and they're all misaligned. And I'm like, well, that, well, uh, yeah, they, there's that. <laughs> it's, 
So, yeah, I'm so far from a professional. Really, I am not by any mean an, an expert. Then, like the like the Tour de France mechanics that come with the riders, they probably built way more wheels than that, right? Yeah, or <laughs> even maybe not way more, but probably way more technical wheels. You know, oh, like 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 knowing like the fundamentals of wheel building and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's one of the disadvantages then that it will take an insane amount of time and experience to perfect the wheel. But like you said, for average riding and everything, it's a pretty simple or like doable thing to accomplish then. Yes. Also, if you, well, if you need, if you know how to build a wheel, then you know how to true it. And let's say like your wheel is a little bit out of true. That's something you can do on your own rather than having to take it to a bike shop and waiting there for your will to be true. So yeah, the fact that you can do everything on your own is a bonus really. Yeah. Um, and then another disadvantage of, of doing like wheel building yourself is that there is a cost of entry. Like you need to have a touring stand and you need like a spoke wrench and all this, these different things. But so it's not something you can just think of doing one day to the next and you just do it. You need like something you need a, like the, the tools. Yeah. And I've seen, I've, I've read about people touring or their own, st or own wheels or even building their own wheels using their fork. And well, I don't know. I don't have any experience with that either, but I imagine it's way less precise than with a touring stand. It's kind of I mean, for ghetto mode. It's going to take you so much more time. Yeah. Like, like you use like a touring stand with some like paper on like paper strips on each side to, to make sure it's straight. But in the end. You're saving a lot of money that way, but it's it's gonna make your life a bit more difficult or way more difficult as well in the long run. I mean, it's like everything. If you use the right tool, uh, the right tools, it will just make things faster. Yeah. And and to the last point or last disadvantage rather is that, like Paul said, you you spend like an hour and a half per wheel because you like to take your time, and this is after hundred wheels built. So I imagine that if person is starting to build their first wheel set or two or three wheel sets it will take even longer than that so oh, yeah. it is it is very time consuming in the end as well yeah personal even... personal tip for you uh if you're like three hours into it and your brain is fuming go outside sleep on it and come back to it tomorrow or the next day because going like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna finish this wheel before tonight is not the good solution because you're just going to mess things up. I know because I did it. So just take your time. <laughs> and yeah, you don't want to make mistakes on wheel building because everything has to be in like like a zen balance, right? With the spoke and the tensions and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these are like the main disadvantages then for wheel building. They, they might not be as as drastic to some as for others, but it's still, I think, worth mentioning that it's not a very simple or easy to get into thing as well. Yeah. And, and if you just don't want to build wheels for your track bike, then we also have solutions for you. Yeah. There are a lot of already pre-built uh, wheel sets out there for uh, track bikes. So you can go with the budget wheel sets like... Well, the most common wheel sets I see here, at least, are Mish Bastards. I think it's like everyone has them here. For yeah, some reason. those are like three hundred a pair, I think. Yeah, and they're and they're good enough, I suppose. So, 
makes sense yeah as well. some people are using them for ages the the rims are pretty okay but the things that just give up first is the hubs yeah so lots of maintenance required there what other wheel sets are there mavic ellipse right those are really common ones as well yes and those will also be the hubs that <laughs> that fails first uh, there's a lot of people that have troubles with mavic ellipse uh, I had a pair uh, that lasted one winter. Uh, I put them through a lot though, so they had their fair share of, of dirt, snow, and everything. <laughs> so, but they're pretty good, pretty good wheels. Uh, I say, like a lot of pro racing team use them as training wheels on the track. So yeah, they're, they're pretty good wheels. And I think they're also okay, affordable. Yeah. But on the super budget side, you have like the the DP18 wheels that you can find nearly everywhere. Or basically every mid-high profile wheel that is aluminum with an aluminum rim. Uh, and I think like 32 uh, spokes, like you find them everywhere on every budget will set on every budget build and you can also we talked about it before but buy them as a carbon version on aliexpress or those kind of website as a complete wheel right mm. uh those are okay let's say the only thing i would do if you buy a pair of these, uh, either from your local seller or a Chinese reseller, is to check your spoke tensions. They tend to be kind of loose most of the time, uh, and not always with a good alignment. So I would check your your wheel tension or make it check at least. Yeah. Um. Furthermore, yeah, there's more options as well. For example, H Plus Sun. There are a few uh, complete wheel sets by them. Well, not by them directly, but by other online stores. For example, Velomine in the US, they can you can buy TB14s to laced to Formula track hubs for like 250 US dollars new. Which yeah. Is like the best deal I think you can get for yeah, a good wheel set. Yeah, TB14, the archetype, the H Plus in wheels in general. I mean, rims, sorry, are good rims. And yeah, I think like Retrogression also has some complete wheel set. You can even find on some on eBay. And usually those are laced and built by people who know how to do so. So mm. yeah, a good option. So like these are like more of the big, like the low, low to medium budgets, right? Right now. But then there are also, of course, the higher end budgets where you can go into pre-built carbon track rims and wheel sets. Like, yeah, like you mentioned, like the Mavic IO, for example, that's main, mainly for like Olympic velodrome racers for two thousand euros per wheel. But there's also that's for some serious use. Yeah, in the US at least, there's uh, Honey Wheels. I think they're based in Brooklyn, and they make carbon yeah. carbon wheel sets for track bikes, and they're also around I think like eight hundred or a thousand dollars. Um, I'm not sure about that, but they're yeah they're in the upper ranges of price compared to. H plus Sun and uh, Mish Pistards. 
And yeah. then in the in Europe there's spin on these. They also make nice carbon track wheel sets. Yeah, we talked about them last episode. And yeah. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, I like the design a lot they have on their on their decals. And I think they have um they have their own hubs too, which is which is cool. Yeah. So they go for around also like a thousand, thousand one hundred plus. Yeah. And then we have well armor wheels that we talked about it before, which I think is owned by Engine Eleven, if uh, I am not wrong. And then you have like all the the premium brands out there, so like Karima, Zip, Head, that they all have like a, a track wheel set at some point, either clincher, tubular, or both. And there's also DT Swiss that has an aluminum wheel set and a carbon wheel set, both track and yeah, different price range. I mean, DT Swiss even in, is for road wheels. They have like every price range possible. They, they have like the complex, the complete spectrum, right? Yeah. So yeah, you have, you have options out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love options. So you can yeah. buy pre-built ones. You can build them yourself. You can buy them used, you can buy them new. There's a, there's a lot of options. Yeah. One last thing I would like to add is the quality of your wheels will make a huge difference on how your track bike rides, right? I mean, it's obvious, but there is like a little bit more science behind that. Let's say you already have like a super stiff carbon or aluminum frame and your take on top of that super, super stiff carbon wheels. So... Let's say like, yeah, carbon rims, cross pattern, really high spoke tension. Basically, you're riding on two pieces of wood, right? It might actually just ride like trash because something that just rides as a brick because it's just, yeah, it's just like super stiff, way too stiff. In fact, you're just going to end up losing power. There is a whole science behind that, that. You need an exit point for kinetic energy to get out of the bike without being replicated into your drivetrain, uh, into your wheels, and then onto the road uh, to be efficient. Like something that is just too stiff, it it's just going to feel like yeah, something that is almost unrideable. And on the other side, if you already have like a pretty mushy steel frame and you put rims that haven't been laced correctly and feel also really mushy, you're just going to end up basically riding on a piece of gum. So you want to find the right balance. You're the only one who can tell what you like and what you don't like because you're only you're the only one riding your bike. But I would suggest try stuff around maybe because the track bikes are so easy, right? Just switch wheels with your friend and see what you like, what you don't. Um, and yeah, at that moment you can decide like, oh yeah, that's what I want. And of course you can also based on style and aesthetic preferences, but you get it. If you just go to the extreme, it might not be the best. Does any of that make sense though? Uh, yeah, somewhat, I think. (laughs) No, it made sense. Yeah. But yeah, especially I think. No matter how much of an effect the wheel set can have, if you're spending so much money on carbon rims and carbon hubs, or not carbon hubs, well, or maybe carbon hubs, I don't know. But if you're spending so much money on the wheel set, 
don't skimp out on the tires. If you get the cheapest, <laughs> shittiest tires possible, it's all it's all for nothing. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I I agree, I agree. Even if I never buy, I'm talking to you personally. Tire. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I know. I like cheap tires, but uh, you know what? On my pair of four fours, I have Gator skins, and they're really nice. And that's probably the most expensive tire I have, and I didn't buy it. I got it for free. oh yeah so anyway on yeah this was the episode on wheel building so we hope you guys learned something useful maybe even this maybe this was even like the push you needed to get into wheel building who knows uh yeah we hope this was an interesting episode overall then the topic of this episode was selected by our middle medium tier patreons so medium tier patreons they are able to vote for a podcast topic once a month so this month it was wheel building and last month it was Karen. And who knows what ne- next month will be. So if you want to vote for a topic that we will discuss, feel free to subscribe. And that's pretty much wraps us up for today. Uh, as usual, all we talked about will be in the show notes. Uh, where can people find us, Fabian? Uh, you can find us at slowspinsociety.com. That's our website where the show notes will be. But you can also find us on our Discord, which will be in the show notes. And furthermore, the podcast can be found on, yeah, if you're listening to it, on any platform, pretty much. And furthermore, you can find us both on Instagram. I am at at fab.ism, so fabism, and Paul is at underscore Paul underscore you. You're back on Instagram, eh? Yeah, just just low-key, just for (laughs) any fan messages out there. (laughs) okay um so yeah and if you have any questions for the show you can email the show uh at slowspinpodcast at gmail.com uh the music for the show is lovely swindler by amaria and the illustration is at Joe on instagram you can support us by sharing the show everywhere you want and giving us a good review on the platform of your choice it really helps us out and it makes the show more visible for people out there who are looking for a fixed gear podcast. And if you want to have access to the extended cut of the podcast, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast. Pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. Thank you to all our Patreons for supporting us, but also thank you to everyone out there listening to us and yeah, supporting the show by just giving us good reviews or sending us messages. Like, we really appreciate all of this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we will see you guys next week. Yes, see you next week. See you next Monday. Bye-bye.